Hey gang, as you may remember, last week's episode and this week's have the same little audio snafu issue. It's not too bad, but things are a little uneven in some spots. Things will be absolutely perfect by next week. So thanks for hanging with us. This is a super fun episode with Mark Gessner. Enjoy. Welcome to Duct Tape and Paperclips. I'm Nathan Hartswick. And I'm Annie Russell. This is the show where we rewatch, review, and ridicule every episode of MacGyver for the first time since our childhoods to see if it still holds up. That is correct. And tonight we are breaking down season one, episode five, titled The Heist. The Heist. Can't wait. Before we uh, launch into that, what'd you do this week, Annie? What's your, how, how are you doing? You're settling in in California. Uh, <laughs> that was an insane laugh. What happened? Yeah, what What's did I do on? this week? I have been uh, terrified of wildfires uh, this week. Right. That's been happening uh, where oh, I am. And so I live in Berkeley in Northern California. And so there are no wildfires right near me. Uh, mm. However, the entire Bay Area has like an air quality warning. And so all of the outdoor things that we were doing to sort of sit, stay sane in the pandemic yeah. are off the table. So there's no hiking, there's no bike, there's no, right. you know, long stretches outside. Thankfully yes. the one dog park that we go to is still open for now. Um, but it sounds like, uh, the fires are going to continue burning for like a couple weeks at least. Um, and I was sort of like <clears throat> venting to my coworkers. I'm like, this is, this is a lot on top of the pandemic. And they're like, Oh, don't worry. Fire season only lasts until November. And I was like, what? <laughs> um, that's a long time. Also, just the two words together, fire season. Yeah, it's just That's a not, season where everything is on fire. It's um, not a New England kids sort of phrase. No, no, <laughs> it's not uh, very much a Northeast uh, gal. And so yeah. I think this was month three of being in uh, California and just be like, you know what? Uh, a year is fine. Like uh, yeah. we don't need to stay longer than, because it's just been, um, <laughs> it's been like wild to have that on top of COVID. It's, yep. um, so yeah, so I'm doing okay. Trying to make the best of it. Still baking, still, you know, yeah. yep. <laughs> just trying to try to make, make it, uh, make it happen. Uh, but what about you? How's your week? Oh, fine. I, I mean, the weeks just run together, you know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> you asked me that question. I'm like, uh, what did I do this week? Um, I did take a little break. Uh, we did throw the dogs in the car and go to my mom's house, which is like two hours away in the Northeast Kingdom. Uh, some people retire and they just, uh, I don't know, move to Florida or something, but she's got this piece of property in the middle of nowhere. And they're talking about, they built this giant <clears throat> studio space next to their house. It was like a little like black boxy kind of thing. They bought, they built next to our house in the middle of nowhere. <clears throat> and now they're talking about taking it down and uh, repurposing some of the materials to build themselves a different house. Wow. <laughs> because, because the house they've got, they built like 30 years ago and it's falling apart. <laughs> and they're like, you know, there's plenty of good materials in this studio. We could just start over and then hook into our existing plumbing. That I'm is like, hilarious. That actually so reminds me of, uh, speaking of Vermont, my in-laws who are in Vermont, they just closed on a second house in Burlington that they're going to use as a rental property. So the pressure to move back has never been higher. Oh, I bet. Um, I bet. So <laughs> that is also a thing that's happening. Yeah. And I'm sure, yeah, you just get, you just get voicemails that are like, you can breathe here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like for, oh, well, I will say the one thing about being in Berkeley is we, uh, saw that there's like literally four new cases of COVID per day. So it's a very, very low. Wow. Um, I witnessed a full on uh, screaming match in the food co-op today over mask usage. It was, really? it was wild. Um, I've only seen those, those on YouTube. I've never no, seen them in person. I actually witnessed it in person. There was this one guy who decided it was appropriate to take down his mask and just eat a burrito in, <laughs> in the grocery store 
store and some other guy was not having it at all. Um, and his, the first guy, burrito guy's girlfriend, uh, is like, just let him eat his breakfast. And the other guy completely (laughs) melted down and was like, you can eat your breakfast literally anywhere else. Like oh you God. don't need to be doing that in the food co-op aisle. Um, so it's, yeah, it's Portlandia wow. to the max uh, where yeah, I am. Yeah. We live in some strange times. Yes. Strange, strange times. All right. Well, uh, we have a guest tonight who's going to help us break down the episode. Uh, let's bring him in. He's a buddy of mine from way back when. Uh, you might know him from Orange is the New Black or NCIS or a million other shows or commercials you've seen him in. I know him as the little kid who grew up like a few miles away from me in rural Vermont. Please welcome Mark Gessner. Hi, Mark. How's it going? Good, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's nice to be here with you. This is fun. This is like, I've been looking forward to this all day. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, I can't wait to get into the episode, but before we do, like, what's your life like? You have kids, you're in New York. I have kids, and uh, a tree came within three inches of destroying my house a few days ago. And now the tree has been completely removed from my backyard like it never happened, and it's still kind of tripping me out. It, uh, it was a dramatic photo you posted. It looked like your entire like house was in jeopardy. Yeah. It, it came so close to my house that it bent the gutter. It didn't even break it all the way off. It just bent it. That's how close it came. To but it. it landed in your yard, like the in entire tree just landed yeah, in your yard yeah. and missed your house by an inch, basically. Yeah. Insane. And you were luckily not out there when it happened. No, but we were on the other side of a window watching it just fall toward us and oh being God. like, wow, I wonder if this is going to just crush our house right now. And it didn't. I, it was a miracle. Everybody's okay, though. Everybody's cool. Everybody's fine. Everybody's fine. And the tree's gone. Yeah, are, you seem fixated on that. Is that. Was that like magical that I it just, just vanished? Sure, it's gone. I'm just going to look real quick. I'm just going to look. Can you guys, can you guys hang out? I'm just going to look. look one more time. Uh, Where just... in the world is this? Where are you joining us from? Uh, in uh, Westchester County, New York. Okay. Yeah. I also know, I saw, I thought the thing you posted was funny about like how you moved to Westchester for the schools and now they're like trying to force your kids to go back to school. Oh yeah. We moved here for the schools just in time for us to have to homeschool them because right. the governor's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> well, so what's your history with MacGyver? Did you watch it as a kid or not? Yeah, I did. It was kind of a special treat for me. Um, yeah. I had some very draconian rules regarding my television consumption. Uh, mm-hmm. as a child and MacGyver could kind of sneak through because my mom also liked the show so I'd watch that and I thought oh. it was awesome and I just thought if yeah duct tape and he was good to go and I always thought that was just the coolest <laughs> shit in the world yeah I could see how like this show really did try to be the show with a conscience and I think my my parents didn't feel weird about like letting me watch it because it always just it, like you could park your kid in front of it and not feel too bad about it I think watching Richard Dean Anderson work especially when he's reasoning through a problem or like the moment when he was like putting the thing across and before it would glow when you you see the acting choices he's making yeah it's clear he's having so much fun playing that character that like (laughs) gets to do that type of shit because (laughs) can you imagine like imagine making that make that's your living you get to be that right right your character is figuring out this solution and then executing it. Like, and never uh, misses. It's right. the best. It's like you <laughs> never always Never misses win. and is so chill about every yeah. single like deadline driven situation. Yeah. And, and is an absolute cutie pie throughout the yeah. entire time. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah, a yeah. handsome man. And he, his like smiles of satisfaction and slow walks. I just. Uh, I mean, he is delighted. Yeah. Like he yeah. is yeah. delighting himself with yeah. all of these little moves, which I love. Um, well, great. Um, uh, we want, I can't wait to talk to you about this, especially as an actor. But before that, why don't we get, uh, Andy, we want to give us a quick summary of, of the heist? I do. And there's one very important thing about this episode. Uh, there's no opening gambit. I've yeah. complained about the opening gambit pretty much every <laughs> single episode of this right. podcast because there's typically a separate storyline that happens before the opening credits that has nothing to do with the main plot, but this is the first episode of the series where that is absent. So that is notable. We, it's all main episode, baby. And what (laughs) we have 
is nothing less than $60 million worth of stolen diamonds that were somehow destined for a relief charity that is super vague. Uh, but they end up in the hands of casino owner Jack Catlin and MacGyver must head to the Virgin Islands to try to get them back with the help of Chris Rhodes, a senator's daughter, and MacGyver masterminds a plan to break into the vault uh, and pull a lot of different little pranks in the casino uh, <laughs> all to steal these diamonds back and of course escape. Awesome. So uh, we're going to share our opinions about what worked in this episode, what did not work and how we think it held up. Uh, so Mark, uh, let's start with what worked. What you, what did you find worked about this episode for you? Um, okay. So I kind of went through the episode and took some notes. <laughs> yeah. And, great. And I, I was very focused on, held up did not hold up and there were some things that i did not think held up the the macgyver voiceover is just so oh, ham-fisted man it's so dumb. Just, it's just so it's like <laughs> it's it's like we get that, that there's a, a need for exposition sometimes like that's sure. part of this medium but this is real rough it's real getting hit in the head with a two by four made out of exposition <laughs> and i don't like it no, no. And, I, and it's and it really feels very trademarky to the show the show feels to like it, yes. it feels like it really loves it it's like oh yeah. isn't this adorable yeah. it's like no it's the opposite of adorable and about something that happened a long time ago that he's trying to tie into what's happening yeah. now yeah. it doesn't yeah i didn't like it what did you like i'm curious about like what was like what, i liked the yeah. the uh the vault the the actual offloading says like that scene was as tense as i've felt since the start of the pandemic i think <laughs> was when there's like you could hear the diamonds tinkling down the gutter and she's just like sprinting and trying to get there in time and like just barely trivia. gets it and it's just millions of dollars of diamonds that just going into the trunk because of her like quick thinking and work God, I love that scene. And this was that was my favorite scene in the whole a, goddamn show. That was a, more stressful than a tree almost hitting your house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I know about the tree. Like, I'm insured, you know? Uh, <laughs> I'll figure that out. But this, what if she'd missed and there's just diamonds everywhere? Right, 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 right. Uh, I'll tell you a few things I liked. Um, I, I do appreciate sometimes just seeing an absolutely stone-cold evil bad guy. He's like evil guy with an Australian accent. He's so 80s. I mean... It is terrible, but it's like funny in a way. Like he beats the living shit out of a tourist with a quarterstaff and we're <laughs> like, yeah. like oh, yeah. does internal when, damage when to When I him. saw that, I was like, all right, if you're going to host a party yeah. and you're going to wear workout clothes to the party <laughs> and then stop everybody from enjoying the party because you need to do a demonstration of right. something, <laughs> it better be a goddamn good demonstration. And let yeah. me tell you something, that demonstration sucked. Yeah, I yeah. thought that was a shitty demonstration. Yeah, he is not good at martial arts, and he also, he also shoots the senator at the very beginning and literally cackles directly after he shooting. Did, him. There was yeah. a lot of laughing bad yeah. guys in this episode after they yeah. did bad things. That was yeah. just so bad. It, it was just hard to watch. And his uh, facial first, hair is yeah. a crime. His facial hair is a war crime. <laughs> um, I mean, when so they're laughing awful. in the plane, that was yeah. a, a bridge yeah. too far for me. I could yeah. not watch that. I, it's funny because like, I, I watched this episode twice. The first time I was like, this is not a good episode. I very much disliked it. I think because I felt like we were finally getting in the swing of things with, uh, with the last few episodes. And this was like tonally all over the place. It didn't feel like a MacGyver episode to me uh, in a lot of ways. But then the second time around, I was like, okay, there's... Plenty I do like. I thought that our our woman of the week actor was actually like making some interesting choices as bad 80s acting goes and as two-dimensional parts go. She had a couple of moments where I was like, oh, that was kind of an interesting choice. Um, some of the gags were fun. I thought the buffing the dice on the shoe polisher thing was kind of neat. Uh, the shooting the mobile bar uh, with the gas tanks across the room thing, I just loved because I have a soft place in my heart for like those mobile bars. I used to work behind them and I loved seeing that smash into bad guys. Um, I have to say too on that one, because he, that was one of the epic sort of smile slow walks. Yeah. I just thought it was so incongruous because he had literally just shot this bar across and, and knocked these guys over with like spraying vapor. And then it's like a, like a long beat. And then he just he stands there and watches. Yeah. <laughs> He's watching it happen. Run. 
Uh, yeah, I liked. Um, I thought it was super funny that she is so horny for danger. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was such a funny choice to to have her just the minute she gets any taste of excitement she gets like so excited about it yeah and in Um, case you didn't get it there was a protracted monologue about it yeah (laughs) right exactly oh my god um those are just a few things what do you think uh annie did you find anything like particularly fun or oh i loved that his drink of choice when he was uh gambling was a virgin bloody mary that was uh, a highlight for me uh, a drink that no one has ordered in the history of time like order a fucking tomato juice like what is wrong with you yeah and then when he does get a sip of wine later in the episode, yeah. that that sort of like overacting, it. like yeah. I yeah. am not enjoying this. Yeah, this um, is yucky. Just... Oh my god. Yeah, you know what I was a little bit surprised about too, because I thought, oh, how genius he could drop the dice in there and you could barely see him. That's such a smart right. thing. Right. And he had tipped that waitress just so much money. He like threw some thousand dollar chip on her tray. And then she comes like marching over with like a mean look on her face. And it's like, here's the dice. He's a cheater. It's like, he just gave you a thousand dollars. The fuck do you care? It's not your money. Yeah. I'm sorry. Exactly. I thought it was so <laughs> no, weird right. that that's how he found out. It was kind of fun for me to see him fail. Like, in any way, just the fact that they catch him is like kind of fun, you know. He took it with such grace too. He's like, "Well, you've been civil up until now." <laughs> like, that was really funny. <laughs> oh, so stupid. Um, all right, we can we can move forward into the things that really we hated about it. Uh, obviously, we weren't the only ones who hated it because this is the <laughs> the second episode in the first season directed by Alan Smithy. Famously, the director did not want to take a credit for it. Um, so <laughs> oh, it was credited to Alan Smithy. And it shows, I think. It's kind of all over the place, kind of a shit show. Um, I, what I love is that in every episode, the bad guys are just explicitly stating what they're doing at all times. There are $60 million in diamonds in bags that he's touching and explaining that it's 60 million dollars in diamonds it's so like you said ham-fisted it's crazy but i kind of like it um uh what did you guys think of the james bond shit this is the first macgyver episode that felt james bondy obviously to the point of them making a gag out of it um the previous episodes have felt more indiana jones as we've mentioned and this felt like it took a turn i can tell you something i didn't like about that part i did not like the dress thing i did not like that one bit there were plenty of ways to cause a diversion that did not involve disrobing a woman against her will in front of a bunch of strangers no matter how Mm -hmm. rude that woman is right uh i just did not like that at all. I found that to be hard to watch, actually. Yeah, it was, it was and it was very confusing because she looked exactly like the other woman yes. in this episode. <laughs> and you were like, times. wait a second, yeah. why is he doing yeah. that to his friend? And also that character, the character of like the unreasonably bitchy woman just screaming at everybody is such a bullshit 80s trope too. Yeah, um, and when you think about it, like she literally just got an entire tray of cocktails spilled down what I'm sure was a very expensive dress. She has a right to be annoyed. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, to return to the uh, the Bond thing for a minute, I mean, I personally am a huge Bond fan and a huge MacGyver fan, and I fucking hated this. Yeah. <laughs> I just hated every minute of it. His stupid British accent and is, like, looking at himself in the mirror, and then later on, he actually introduces himself as Bond, James Bond, which I don't even think is legal to say. (laughs) Yeah, because they never really leaned in. You know what I mean? It was very... So one of the things that I love about this show is that it really, like, it commits. There's no, like, winking at the audience. It's like, no, I really took a telescope with some gunpowder and shot a harpoon (laughs) through a wall. I really did that. (laughs) Or whatever. Yeah. This felt like a nonstop. It felt like someone jabbing you in the ribs, going, "Do you get it? Do yeah, you see? Like do you get it?" And you and you going, "Yeah, no, I get it." And they're like, "No, no, but do you get it though?" And in the same <laughs> place where it just keeps hurting because they keep yeah. hitting the same spot. Yeah, that's how I felt about this, like insufferable, like <laughs> self-congratulatory winking. It's like, yeah, get yeah. it, get it. It's kind of like Casino Royale meets MacGyver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I wondered I wondered how many times you could roll a seven in the same way. 
uh, before you would be instantly removed from a casino. I mean, like probably three times in a row, maybe, and then you would just be out on your ass. The the fact that he wins a shitload of times in a row and then is treated like a high roller before anybody like says boo is so stupid. Yeah, security is not great here. I'm going (laughs) to say that. Right, right, right. (laughs) Security is Later when he's like, the odds are against this from happening. It's like no <laughs> kidding, dude. Yeah, you really? mean him him hitting <laughs> him hitting seven, seven, eight times in a row? You think right. that's a little rare? You mean eight times in a row, the die hitting the wall and then flopping down with a four <laughs> and a three up? Oh my god. Oh, another thing I thought was crazy stupid. What I think is what I'll give to this episode is that they are clearly trying a little harder to be a little cheekier and a little funnier. And I think they were trying just a little too hard in this one. And so, like, the moment when he wakes up and she, she's like, you know, what does she say? Um, yeah, how, how are you sleeping? And he's like, usually fine. And, uh, you know, it, it's a kind of a funny moment. What did you What did you guys think about? Did you buy the kind of love story between these two? No, I no, no not at all. No, I, I mean, they, <laughs> they, they met and, uh, you know, immediately she was like, I'm not leaving the Virgin Islands. And it's like, yeah, yeah. why? Uh, the whole premise <laughs> yeah. made that no feels sense. very inflexible. I feel like yeah. you're not being fair. Well, Annie was saying in the last episode that every episode is a, another globe hopping adventure that looks exactly like Southern California. Yes, yeah. it truly, truly yeah. does. And you're like, and oh, you're saying was... it's Morocco, huh? Yeah, okay. no, okay. no exception. Sure. Uh, yeah, the love interest uh, did not work for me. The other thing that I was just shocked, like jaw droppingly, so that that safe opened with four tones. Like yeah. what? I, no. Is yeah. that a technology that is even real? I wrote that. T- I wrote down that that was technically less secure than a combination because all you need is that pad. <laughs> like, yeah, and clearly the bird was whistling the, th- the exactly. The and bird knows him. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's very insecure for such a expensive looking vault. And I also thought what another thing I kind of thought was like, what is the point of this? Was the coat hanger and mirror over the security camera? I was like, why don't you just throw a shirt over it? Yeah, and the guys are like, huh, some interference. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> right. And once again, this is not the first time we've seen this on this show. He right. says, I have about 90 seconds and there is no sense of urgency in his yeah. body language <laughs> yeah. whatsoever. He yeah. is relaxing. Yeah. And I also think it's really funny, like the sheer size of that camera is <laughs> I know. hilarious. And when you think about it, like think earlier in the episode when the sidekick woman says a spy cam. This thing is like the size of a beer sign turning back and forth in front of the door. I mean, I kind of love looking back at that kind of history that like the idea was that that camera is spying on people, right? Like, cause, because yeah. a security camera just didn't exist. Like, it was only in the most secure locations back then. Well, I mean, I can we talk t- about why there's a gutter running down the side <laughs> yeah. of a skyscraper? Okay, please, please, let's talk about that. Because I, the only reason I could come up with when he said, we need a loud diversion, right? They need to cause a fucking riot in the casino. The only reason I could come up with was... Uh, $60 million in diamonds going down the gutter is loud, I guess. <laughs> like, why does he need a big scene? And I felt that he poured those diamonds down the gutter way too casually. Like, I yeah. don't know that he for sure knew where that gutter was going. Um, <laughs> it just, it felt very... That would have been great if the episode just ended with $60 million in diamonds, like going into the men's room. Right. <laughs> <laughs> See, that would have been funny. Um, one of the things that I love about this show is it definitely does a thing where it's like building the plane as it flies. You know, there's this kind of chaotic feel to it as he like deals with what he has. And he's like, there's always a, he's under the gun. The thing where it was going to be 210 sharp, 210 AM sharp, blah, blah, blah. That was so unlikely to work out. Mm -hmm. It felt a little off brand. And, and I mean, of course it's all silly, but this felt like, uh, insulting to the audience a little bit. Well, it's it's also not MacGyver, right? It's like MacGyver doesn't do, MacGyver doesn't plan everything down to the last second. He figures it out as he goes, which is it's yeah. literally he literally says in this episode that the yeah. the tighter your plan, the more likely right. something's going to come up that'll mess you up. Right? Yes. So, yeah, I didn't love that. Yeah, and he has said in multiple episodes, like I'll figure it out when I get there. So it's yeah. even him wearing a suit felt right. very oh. wrong to me. Yes. Yeah. 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 And it, it's so funny, though, that we're like four episodes, five episodes into this, and we already have these like strong opinions about he should be wearing a suit. That's not who he is. <laughs> like, Yeah, I want to say, too, that like 
there's a couple of things that happen in shows like this. And one of them for me that like with the lock picking, mm. lock picking is so high up on the list of things that I think in my mind I could probably do. Right. But then if I had to do it, I could absolutely not do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just would be, never be able to pick a lock. And that kind of bums me out. As a kid, you were always wanted to be able to do And of course, like now we could Google it and figure it out probably. But then it was like, that was, I remember sticking paper clips into locked things, trying to pick the locks and not being able to when I was a kid. Every yeah. lock in my childhood home, it was yeah. like I was trying yeah. to figure something out. I've never once successfully no. done it. Well, he's a, he's a professional. Yeah. <laughs> a professional what we don't know but uh, uh i wrote down macgyver has perfect pitch question mark <laughs> he has to take a very icky icky yucky sip of wine to get it down enough oh grody um i mean we're never going to be able to get to everything and we need to move on but we have to talk about the final sequence oh my god absurdity <laughs> uh where was macgyver the first one to do this car out of a plane thing because it's been done a million times since then the whole thing did not work for me yeah. because no one was seat belted into no, that car exactly. <laughs> and it was upside down. Yeah. Why did she feel that being under the dash was safer? Right. Yeah. Because it absolutely is <laughs> yeah. not. And she she literally says right before they like do this crazy, you know, flying out the back, she literally says, I I wrote it down. I hope this thing works. <laughs> yeah. Like, I know. Oh, you do? He has previously said, if it works, it could be fun. <laughs> like with no emotion at all. Yeah. No, uh, well, we've discussed that he probably is severely depressed and yeah. is okay with dying oh, yeah. because yeah. he yeah. puts himself in. There's in a fatalism situations. at work here that you, yeah. that you can't with with a cow lick and some dimples are not going to get past the fatalism. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I, can, I can see your death wish, MacGyver. I could not believe uh, uh, how level the cars remained once we finally got into the. They close were able up. to have a nice makeout session and and yeah. have some witty banter. Yeah. And meanwhile, I'm thinking like you're floating, you're thousands of feet in the air. Yeah. You're in no way are you safe. No yeah. way are you this calm. This kind of like dainty look over the side of like, oh my goodness, we're so high. It's like, are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah somehow you... there's no wind and you guys yeah, are sucking right. face yeah. for some reason. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I also like my, my stupid like film brain was like, every wide shot had a hang glider in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also think we're, what we're seeing is like, I respect the need for a giant gag in the final moments of the show. I, I understand why you have to like do go big or go home by the end. But it like what we're seeing a lot of in this season is that the gag happens. Maybe you get like that little sucking face moment and the, the, the show ab- abruptly ends. It's just over. There's no like closure on anything. Yeah, like, there's literally $60 million worth yeah, of diamonds in the, in trunk, the trunk of the car that yeah. didn't land safely yet. But yeah. let's end the episode. Right, right. Yeah, we have no closure. And I want to know how you land that thing. Because I like when know. you're skydiving, yeah. you're supposed to land running. So I was yeah. like, are, did they have to land like driving? <laughs> like, How's this going to work? Also, why is there a parachute big enough for a car in that plane? That he made, because like, I think we were supposed to understand that he was making he one with multiple parachutes. But then, because he was like, he was like tying up different things. But then when it opened, it was just one big ass parachute. Really so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the guys up front are laughing like, ha ha ha. We just yeah. left them with all the parachutes in the back. Like it just, it made <laughs> yeah. not a lot of sense. Uh, yeah. And what, what's up with the dude's military fatigues that he's just randomly wearing at one point? Like he goes I mean, from like obnoxious white tuxedo to like yes. bizarre over the top, like communist yeah. soldier regalia. What is his connection to like the military? If I don't know. Like, he's a casino yeah. owner. It doesn't right. make any sense. He has, he's an arms dealer secretly, I think is what the deal is. I mean, I guess, but even then, like, why are you wearing a military uniform? Yeah. You, yeah. By definition, you're selling. Guns. You don't know not... arms dealer culture. Yeah, I They're guess. Really into... You guys obviously did not prepare as much as I did for this episode. That's fine. Which <laughs> is a bad look because it's your podcast but right, right. so oh, much more prepared i do have a couple things that we didn't get to a couple little last ones i'll say uh one macgyver just needs to bring a fucking small mirror everywhere he goes because he keeps borrowing compacts from women yes. yeah uh he just assuming that women are gonna give him small mirrors um i wrote down that the bad guy comes into that hotel room and says i'm i should probably check everything else while i'm here and he checks the contents of the safe but not the mirrored closet that macgyver is hiding inside of um right 
how did Matt, how, how did MacGyver get downstairs so fast? I wrote after he heist, after he gets the diamonds, he just appears like 10 seconds later in the, you don't see him going downstairs. You don't see him scaling down the building. I don't know how he got down so fast, but yeah, uh, he's never had a bead of sweat on his face ever. And he teleported down 10 flights of stairs. It's like amazing. Uh, anything else I missed? Uh, any of you two noticed that I missed? Nothing holds up. <laughs> Nothing I, holds yeah, up. It's, it's, it's pretty much hot garbage. Like, <laughs> I did not like a lot of the people falling down. I thought a lot of the falls mm. were just, just cartoonishly oh, yeah. I, bad. Yeah. Why did the... Wh- <laughs> I did like that they caused this big scene in the casino. That was fun. But it went to violence so quickly. <laughs> so fast. It was like a, like yeah. a hockey fight. It's a pretty bomb-ass heist, though. I have to say. I mean, it is... Now, here's the thing. We talked about how the 210 thing doesn't work because it's a it's a pre-planned out thing. But he was so confident in his ability to get up there and figure shit out because he didn't know how he was going to get past security. He didn't know how he was going to get the diamonds. He only knew, I'm going to bring a gutter and that's going to get... <laughs> and talk about, a, talk about a lucky light fixture, huh? Right? <laughs> but the fact that he was had that much confidence he was going to be able to solve this thing. Now, that's very MacGyver, that he's going to walk in and figure it out. It's just that knowing that she's going to be down there at 210 felt very much like this heist movie get it he has it all planned out but that's like yeah that's not him but but i thought that it was messy enough like it was so tense and scary because you're like she really might not make it like that to me gave it that element of like you know it it wasn't so polished it was like a little kind of rough which i like well that was like the most anxiety i had in the entire episode was when she gets called out from that other gambler and things just start going wrong and i'm like is she gonna make it out of this uh all right this is all wonderful Uh, (laughs) we gotta take a break when we come back we're gonna talk more with our guest and play macgyverisms and find out where this episode falls on our dtmp rating system stick around we'll be right back 2020 has been a dumpster fire i'm Lori. And I'm Natalie, and together we are the foremothers of Butt Canyon, a self-sufficient utopia to clean the slate and start again. But we can't let just anyone in. Yeah, like what if you're annoying? So every week we'll interview potential residents to see what they can bring to Butt Canyon. You can listen to Settlers wherever you listen to podcasts. Oh my God, that sounded so official. Nailed it! And we're back. Um, we are sitting here with our guest, Mark Gessner. And I got to ask now, Mark, you and I kind of grew up together a little bit. Um, but I want to ask what it was like for you growing up in the Northeast Kingdom, Vermont, in the 80s and 90s. Uh, what were you into? What other, like you said, it was draconian television rules. What were you? I, I did. I played a lot of Atari. Did you? I feel like I played Atari at your house. You 100% did. I think I, that was maybe the only Atari I ever played was at your house. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> wicked fun. That was wicked fun, dude. I loved it. <laughs> wicked fun. Uh, yeah, and we lived eight tenths of a mile apart. Right, but like it was, it was hard to get there. Like you had to drive like five miles out of the way to get there because our our properties backed up against one another, but the roads didn't go that way. There are no roads, bro. Uh, where we're going, we don't need. We roads. don't need. We did not need those roads. <laughs> so, uh, so you were in Atari, uh, and what, yeah, what, and I, I watched uh, MacGyver was an example of a show that I did uh, get to watch, and. Yeah. Uh, when I got a little older, NYPD Blue, that was a very really? formative show hmm. for me. That wasn't a thing your parents let you watch. That was a thing you were... Really, we actually ended up watching that together, my mom really? and me. It was actually one of our, uh, the times in our life that we were the closest to watching that show. Famously that showed a butt <laughs> of a grown man. Yeah, it showed an ass of a grown man on network television. I remember that. Uh, but the performances the... on that show of uh, Dennis Franz hmm. and Jimmy Smith's like Dennis Franz in particular, the way that just his acting style was like a huge goal of mine. It was like, I want to someday be able to make choices like that on a TV screen. Like he was a very formative actor for me. Interesting. Interesting. How sad is it that like we jumped right on the butt thing as like, also, you know, there's been a lot of talk about police uh, shows, but I think I remember at that time it being considered like one of the more realistic depictions mm-hmm. of policing. Yeah. Because they tackled corruption and shit in that show, right? And, yeah. and issues of race in policing long before that was considered, you know, a, a topic that you could really like tackle safely. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. Sipowitz was like the main character and also racist. 
Huh. And they both humanized him and showed how inappropriate it was that he had those views. And he, they did that through the sort of wisdom of his partner who had this sort of infinite patience, which is a little annoying, but, and it got better. He got sort of better as the, as the series went on, I remember. Huh. Have you gone back and watched any of it? Yeah, it holds up. Yeah. I just think, yeah, I think it's a good show. Huh. What were you like as a kid? What, what, uh, what kind of clicks did you belong to? <laughs> Well, I always played sports, so I always had some, you know, some friends uh, there, hockey and soccer and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I always did, uh, you know, summer plays and stuff too. And that was always super duper fun. I remember watching when I was real little, watching a show, and seeing one of the actors in the show also in a commercial, like during that show. And I remember being blown away, like, oh, he gets to play two different things, mm-hmm. and that's that's when I was like five, maybe where I was like, Oh, I want to do that someday. Huh. And I remember thinking when I was doing those plays guys and dolls and all those fun things mm. that like, this was going to be practice for me for later in life. When I got to be an actor, I would have this like background that I, cause I remember studying my lines super hard as this little kid, you know, thinking like, this is, these are reps, bro. I'm like doing reps to get ready. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy that you knew that early on that this is what you wanted to do. Like, it's all I've ever wanted to do. That's so crazy. That's amazing. What about like MacGyver wise? Were you uh, were were you a handy kid? Were you? Yeah, I yeah. I I was. I used to, I loved to take stuff apart and like put it back together, that kind of thing. And my parents had this old shed that was just full to the rafters with like ancient tools and cool. and like machines that are ha- you know like motors and i used to like just be up to my elbows and that stuff all the time i thought that was awesome i would not necessarily say i was the most efficient builder of things but i could get the job done (laughs) do you have any that you're particularly proud of like a time you were able to fix something this is our macgyverism segment here we're gonna make you tell us about a macgyverism that you did one time i can i can but i'm gonna ask for a special dispensation to instead of telling you one of mine, telling you one of my wife's recent ones. Because it was just so good. We have lots of groundwater in my neighborhood. Lots of groundwater. So we also have a subterranean garage. (laughs) So that that bad boy's flooding once a month at least. Mm. And sometimes it's worse than others. Sometimes it's just a little water, but we have these huge sump pumps and they can't keep up with the water and it sucks. And on the other side of the garage, we have another very powerful sump pump that's often dry because of the way the concrete is poured, right? I say all of that to say, my wife, <clears throat> this genius of a woman, bought another sump pump which she tied to a wooden uh, to a metal pole and dangled into the cistern of one of the pumps and pumped the water from that pump across the garage to the other pump that was dry and kept our garage from flooding. And it's done it like wow. for four storms in a row. And wow. I just want everybody listening to know that it's the <laughs> coolest thing I've ever seen. I've never been this attracted to her in my entire life. <laughs> so is it, I'm trying to figure out what to picture. Is it actually dangling or is it like resting on top of another pump? I have two sump pump cisterns sunk into the garage floor. She dangled it into the bigger of the two so that uh-huh. it's sharing the load with yeah. the, the one that's submerged in there. It's wow. a genius idea. There's no flaws in the plan. <laughs> There's just none. It's Amazing. incredible. I feel like all of the home improvement nerds are going to be emailing <laughs> your wife now. Like, Whoa. can you help me figure this out? <laughs> that's great. Uh, Andy, do we have any listener MacGyverisms of the week? Oh, we do. Um, My favorite thing about these is that sometimes I don't uh, know what the person is referencing. Like they're mentioning (laughs) tools and items that I have never heard of. Um, (laughs) But I think I, I think I'm familiar with all of the words in these sentences. So we're going to go with it. So this person says, I needed to thread a wire through the frame of a bike for lights. Use a thread tied to a nail folded in half and use the speaker magnet to tether it through the aluminum body have it tensioned across the drill hole and pulled the thread through the hole that's, that's what this genius did. did you understand all that mark i did i totally did i could see it happening kind of like a cartoon in my mind <laughs> And someone commented, that sounds complicated. (laughs) And she wrote back, nah, it was simple. See, aluminum isn't magnetic, but the bolt is steel, which is. So the magnet pulls on the steel, communicating 
through the aluminum body. So this person clearly is on another level of totally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, to the point where like halfway through that, I could not focus on what you're saying anymore. <laughs> you got it glazed over. <laughs> My brain just checks out. A lot of, a lot of things <laughs> that people write in with are, are pretty handy. Like yeah. I'm looking for like, did you duct tape your, a pair of pants yeah. and right. they're on a different oh, uh, mechanical level? I yeah. will say that being a homeowner has given me a swift kick in the rear portion of my pants when it comes to becoming handy. Because I would not necessarily have uh, identified as like super handy prior to owning a home. But it costs so goddamn much to pay somebody to fix things in your house that if there's any way that you can make it just not even worse, just just (laughs) don't make it worse. If you can do that, like you're going to do it. You're going to watch a YouTube video propped up underneath the sink (laughs) and your phone's going to keep falling face first. You're going to have to keep putting it back up and you're going to hate it, but it's going to save you $400. Yeah. 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 So you have no choice. I'm so tired of this house. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're, you're putting a lot of infrastructure and (laughs) solutions into it. So you better not get tired of it. I do feel that way when I went back and saw some of the things that my dad did to my childhood home, like (laughs) running, like really unsafe electrical. I'm just like, (laughs) maybe you should have paid someone, you know? Yeah. Well, that's the thing is that there's people like, oh, electrical's no problem. You just shut off the electricity and you just like do the work and turn it back on. I'm like every single sentence, every single word you just said gave me an anxiety response. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm not I'm not shutting off anything. Are you out of your yeah. goddamn mind? I'm not touching that shit. You're like, what and if it, it doesn't come back yeah, on? Uh, I'm not or shutting it off. What if it never off. goes off and I touch yeah. it and die? Because that's what I think yeah. about immediately. Did you miss the part about my entire basement being flooded with water? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> God. Uh, all right. Well, that's uh, that's MacGyverisms. If you have a MacGyverism to share, email us at themacgyverpod at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram or Twitter at themacgyverpod. Um, all right. We're going to move on to ratings, right, Annie? Yeah. We are on a mission to find out what the best episode of MacGyver is. So we are going to rate. It's not this one. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Spoiler Sorry. Alert. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. Please continue. No, it's mean... definitely not this one, though. Okay, go ahead. We're going to find out. Uh, we're going to score the heist, each one of us, from one through ten on four different characteristics and determine uh, where this falls in the rankings. Uh, It's time for It's Classified. Mark, Mark, you're our guest. You go first. Uh, On a scale of one to ten, how exciting was this episode? I'm going to say it was an uh, an eight. An eight? Okay. I'm going to say that because, and it was a, if it was on a curve, that scene with the sprinting to the get the diamonds in the trunk, man, oh. that was just absolutely yeah, glorious. Um, I would have rated it lower, but the flipping car in midair coming oh, down yeah. on a parachute did bump this up for me. So this is going to go to a seven. Yeah, all right. Seven. That's good. Oh, God. I just want to see a cut where the woman just falls straight out of the car at that time. <laughs> I'm still hung up on this. How? Oh, yeah. Why? Um, you know, I'm, this is pretty rare, but I think I'm going lower than you, Annie. I'm, I'm like, I, I, for half this show, I was like, what the fuck is this? This isn't MacGyver. Uh, I was very angry. So I'm going to give it a six. Um, all right. So, uh, acting and writing, you're an, a- you're an actor and a writer, Mark. Uh, what did you think about that portion? So I think that our protagonist, uh, is just so goddamn likable. He's just <laughs> so likable. And it makes the other people that he's acting with sometimes um, less likable by comparison. Um, And and I did not like the, the Catlin guy at all. I thought it was just absolutely horrendous to watch. (laughs) I also think that there was, there was so many, there was so many um, formal dressed folks in this episode that some of them just look absolutely ridiculous. It did have like the casino looked pretty shitty. Yeah, <laughs> for how nice all the people in and it everyone looked. was yeah. in black tie. It yeah. was very, it was very yeah. strange. I also was struck by how much older uh, than they were. People were dressing. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. It was just very weird to see like a woman in her twenties wearing this gown that was yeah. clearly just looked off on her. It just came out of the costume supply closet at the studio. Uh, so acting and writing from one to ten, what do you think? I liked some of the big swings they took. I thought the diamond heist, the the sort of mechanics of that were pretty great. I thought the tension of that was pretty great. 
um, I think you have to choose between doing like a crazy stunt with a car and having him be chill about it. Like he doesn't get to be chill about it. He does have to get rattled a little bit and feel a little bit relieved. So stuff like that kind of took it down for me. So I'm going to give it a five. It uh, had strong, we're on a soundstage vibes. Yeah. <laughs> as they <laughs> yeah. gently didn't move. What gave it away? The blank white backdrop or the uh, studio lights reflecting off of every chrome surface of the car? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Annie? I say four. I felt four. like not a good episode. Yeah, I am going to have to agree with you. I think four as well. Uh, okay, sheer innovation. This is how innovative his gadgets and gimmicks and gizmos were in this episode. So as much as I dislike the dress gag, I thought it was ingenious. Um, <laughs> you think that would work? No, but yeah. I, I like the swing, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, like the, I like that they take a swing. I thought the uh, rocket bar, you know, bowling pin move was pretty boss. Um, and I thought that it was very ambitious to try to steal diamonds with a gutter. There were not a lot of explosions in the stuff that he was making. I do like it when they th- when things blow up. So I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say seven because I, I do I do like explosions. Um, I yeah. So the uh, exposing the laser with the cigar ashes is weirdly very similar to. Um, yeah, it's very similar to something mm-hmm. that is done in a previous episode. Uh, so yeah. I did ding it for that. And mm-hmm. in terms of all of the uh, little tricks that she was instructed to do in the casino, I was not really impressed with any of those. Um, <laughs> you don't think like a nickel on the back of a slot machine would I make it I was not up. into that whole thing. The putting your foot under the roulette yeah. wheel, it was one of the dumber things that I've seen. Um, so I'm going to say a five. All right. Can I just say too, if I may, yeah. that when he takes the cigar butt out of the out of the ashtray and goes, "Ugh, nasty habit," yeah. I find that extremely snide because cigar smoking is not a habit; it is a hobby. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's a hobby. As an enjoyer of the occasional fine cigar, I resent this idea that someone smokes cigars because that person is addicted to them. That is uh-huh. absurd. Thank it you. Is I said yeah. good day. No one chain smokes cigars. Yeah, I've never known anyone to smoke cigars daily. Not to say it doesn't happen, but it's very rare. Right. Uh, okay, I'm going to go with uh, six. I'm going to be right between you two. Uh, and, uh, and finally, the 80s cool factor. If you saw this in the 80s, how cool would this show have been as compared to other things, other media? Pretty, pretty cool. <laughs> I have to say, it's pretty cool. I mean, there's not a lot of shows you can watch where someone flies out of a plane in a car yeah. and lives. Or at yeah. least we assume they live because they ended the episode before they landed, but <laughs> right. whatever. Right. She might not have lived because she probably doesn't show up in the next episode. No, you wouldn't sure think so. You wouldn't no. think they so. can replace her with the other woman that looks exactly like her that right. they also cast. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I don't, the other thing too, like just the idea that, that there are $60 million worth of diamonds that are headed when the Senator guy is like, Oh, that's, that was, that was designed to, that was going to save I lives. I, I, I didn't talk about this before, but I wrote it down. Yeah. The fact that, uh, remember how like Live Aid was such a huge thing in the 80s? Like we were really concerned about like overseas hunger. That was like our big cause. And the fact that those diamonds were earmarked for overseas hunger is ludicrous. That doesn't make any sense. No sense. Yeah. Literally not how any of that worked. <laughs> anyway, so from one to 10, what do you think? I mean, I'm going to listen. A lot of it was ridiculous. Some of it I'm still upset about, but I'm still <laughs> going to give it an eight. I'm going to give it an eight. But you, Annie? I say six for this because I like it when he is eating ice cream on the boardwalk, when he's wearing sunglasses, when he's in the observatory where he lives. Like (laughs) he gets cooler than this is what I'm saying. Um, And I don't, I don't believe him uh, as the fake James Bond. I mean, spoiler, I think he ends up living on a houseboat, which is pretty fucking cool. Um, <laughs> Very Captain Ron. I'm a yeah, big that's fan. like, <laughs> I, that's cooler to me than anything he does yeah, in yeah. this episode. Yeah, I think you're right. I think this is like they tried to make him suave and he's not suave. So that backfired. And uh, and I would l- rather see him in a leather jacket doing something cool than attempting to be James Bond. Uh, all right. So we have a bonus round. It will get a bonus five points if any of these things is true. So uh, does he help out an old friend in this episode? No, he does not. No. No. Minus five. <laughs> it's not minus it's just it's just not plus um does he does an ex-girlfriend make an appearance no, no. minus no. five again <laughs> and is he detained against his will 
he is right. Yes. Oh, yeah, he, like well, yes, because because they're just about to get him, and then he runs away. But they still have him right. sort of clamped on his shoulders or whatever. Right. So that's it. that's uh, that's it. Let's. Uh, it's time to find out our results out of a total 135 points. Uh, this episode receives 77 points. Oh, that's not very many. Making it the second best episode of MacGyver yet. What? I don't think I understand. Um, I'm going to say that that's probably to do with sample size, and over time, this will get bumped down where it belongs. Certainly last week's episode probably should have been higher, but Natalie scored it very low, and this may maybe should have been lower, but Mark was pretty charitable. So I think that's maybe what happened here. Uh, but it is it is higher. It, it receives a higher score than the Golden Triangle and a lower score than Thief of Budapest. So that's where we're at in the rankings. Well, yeah, the Golden Triangle is still worse than this. That's the only part of that that is true. true. <laughs> All right. Hey, Mark, where can people find you online? Is there something you want to promote or plug or whatever? What's your... Uh, well, I like to... I do the Instagram and the Twitter. I'm Wait. at Mark Gessner Picks, uh, P-I-X, on Instagram. And I'm at The Gessnerist on uh, Twitter. Is there anything like in post-production or anything of yours? Or were you pretty much just done acting when this thing? <laughs> uh, well, I was, uh, there was a bunch of stuff that I couldn't do because sure. of this. Um, <laughs> yeah. I actually have to do uh, do it now. I'm flying to Los Angeles next week to shoot. So you have to do like whatever shooting is now then. Yeah, and I'm I'm actually, I was very afraid to, to do any work. Yeah. The, the kind of pod that this production company has created with testing protocols and they have a uh, sort of a coronavirus czar on set to make sure mm. everybody's like masked up properly. And they have mm. color coded bracelets for who can be close to the actors on the set. Wow. So that's actually making me feel much better about everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. Of course, it's, of course, the the film industry, of course, they're going to like figure out a way to do it the right way. Right. Because they're used to doing like very complicated things with large groups of people. And this is just another set of challenges that, you know, a whole bunch of people got to put their heads together and solve, or they can't make their films, which is not the case with like the government or schools or like, I mean, every, everything else is a shit show right now, but of course film sets are figuring it out. Right. Yeah. Because it's, it's the, uh, the sort of intersection between art and science. I feel like, you know, it's like, yeah. there's something magical about that, that environment. And, and I'm lucky enough to work like this production company that I'm working with now is primarily uh, staffed by women. And the difference in experience dealing with uh, a company that is run by women is stark. Everything is done more quickly. Everything is done with no ego and the common good thought of throughout. Everybody is uh, available to you. Uh, it, it's just unbelievable. It's so great. That's great, man. Well, awesome. Uh, any parting thoughts about MacGyver or anything else, Annie or Mark or anybody? I think we've done it. I think yeah, I think we, we did it. Have... Thanks for having me, though. I had such a good time. Oh, my God. This was great. It was great to hang out with you a little, too. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Subscribe, rate, review, all that stuff. And if you want to watch old episodes of MacGyver along with us, they are available on CBS All Access, or you can buy them for a buck an episode on Amazon. Uh, next week, we will be breaking down Season 1, Episode 6, Trumbo's World. Take care, everybody. And remember, in the immortal words of our buddy Mac, friends, friends are the adventures, adventures of life. Of life. Fantastic. Thank you. Good, uh, goodbye, everybody. Yeah.